Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the Philistines and the Ark as we pick up in 1 Samuel chapter 5, verse 1. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Now, the Philistines took this Ark of the Covenant and they brought it to one of their cities on the coast, the city of Ashdod. And they put the Ark of the Covenant in the temple of their god Dagon, next to the idol of Dagon. And in the morning, when they came in to worship their god Dagon, they found that the idol had fallen on his face on the floor. So they set him up on the pedestal again. And the next morning when they came in, their god Dagon was lying on the floor, but both of his hands had been snapped off and his neck, his head had rolled out uh, and away from him. And then all of the men in Ashdod began to break out with boils all over them. And so they began to relate these things to the Ark of the Covenant being with them. And so they carried the Ark of the Covenant to another Philistine city, the city of Gath. And they said, here, you fellas keep this thing. And then the men of Gath began to break out in boils all over them. And so they, they gathered together with the lords of the Philistines and said, what should we do with this thing? And they said, well, let's take it to Ekron. And the men of Ekron said, oh, no, you're not bringing that thing here. We don't want it. Don't bring it here. So here they were plagued with this thing. They didn't know exactly what to do with it, so they called some of their religious diviners and seers and all, and they said, what should we do with this thing? And so they said, well, the thing is, send it back to the people of Israel. But don't send it back without an offering. So make some golden (laughs) things like boils, because of the boils that broke out, and Make little mice, golden mice also, and put it with the Ark of the Covenant and take two cows and take a new cart and put it on the cart and let these two cows take their young away from them and let these two cows go and let them take it back to the children of Israel. Now, if the cows make a direct line for the camp of Israel, then you know that it was the Lord in all this thing. But if the cows just don't seem to know where to go and start to wander in the field or turn back for their calves, then you'll know that it was just an accident. It was just a, you know, some kind of a weird coincidence that this happened. And so they made this cart, and they got these two cows, and they took them from their calves and and harnessed them to this cart with the little golden emrods or boils and the little golden mice as an offering unto the Lord and they set them loose and the cows made a direct line for the camp of Israel just sort of mooing all the way. (laughs) And so the lords of the Philistines followed to see the thing and of course as the ark came and approached the camp of Israel again the people shouted for joy there around Beth Shemesh, where the ark was returning. 
And so when the lords of the Philistines saw it, they went back and they said, boy, it, it was, you know, they, they went right there and, and uh, they recognized that it was the hand of the Lord that was against them. Now, the men of Beth Shemesh were curious and they began to look into the ark. Now, this is something that was strictly forbidden under the law of God, to look into the ark of God. Only the priests were allowed to see the ark of God, and before they would remove it out of the Holy of Holies, they would cover it with these blankets. But these men, out of curiosity, began to peer at it, and actually 70 of them died who curiously were looking at the ark of God. Now there is a, a statement here which is a difficult translation in verse 19. And he smote the men of Beth Shemesh because they had looked into the ark of the Lord. Even he smote of the people 50,000 and threescore and ten men. Actually it should read of the city of, or of the people of 50,000, 70 were slain. Seventy men were slain. In other words, of that population of the area, approximately 50,000 people, 70 of them were slain. And the people lamented because the Lord had smitten the people with this great slaughter. And the men of Beth Shemesh said, Who is able to stand before this holy Lord God? And to whom shall he go up from us? In other words, we got to get rid of this thing. Who of us can stand before the holiness of God? Interesting question and one that we should be interested in. We should recognize, first of all, the holiness of God. That absolute holiness of God is actually deadly for sinful man to approach. We, none of us, dare try to stand before a holy God in our own righteousness. We remember on the mount when God gave the law, he said, now put a fence around. Don't let anybody approach lest they be slain by the presence of God. Access to God in the Old Testament was not a simple thing. The high priest could only approach once a year and that after many sacrifices. And when he approached God, he had bells on the borders of his garments, a rope tied around his ankle. And as he was in the Holy of Holies, they would stand without listening for the bells. And if the bells would stop ringing, they knew that there was some flaw in the priest or in the offering, and they'd been smitten dead before the holiness of God. And they'd pull him out with a rope. They wouldn't dare go in to fetch him. The holiness of God was something that they highly respected in those days. Tragically, we don't really respect the holiness of God that much today. In the early church, when there was such great purity, when Ananias and Sapphira decided that they were going to pull off their little scam and pretend that they were giving everything to God when in reality they were holding back from God, because of the purity of the early church, there was such purity that this sin could not abide. And 
When Ananias laid it down, Peter said, is that what you sold it for? He said, yep. He said, why have you decided to lie against God? And Ananias fell over dead. The holiness of God. He, he dared to, to come into the purity of the assembly with, with this scam. His wife, being a party to the whole thing, not knowing what happened to her husband, came a little later, put down her half, and he said, did you sell the property that much? Yep. He said, look, you and your husband have agreed together to lie against the Holy Spirit. You've not lied to man, you've lied to God. Behold, the feet of those that carried your husband out are gonna carry you out, and she fell over dead. Now some people say, oh, God, return purity to your church. Well, you better be careful how you pray. <laughs> you might not last if God would return such purity to the church. That holiness of God, something that they highly respected. And especially when they saw these guys dropping over dead who dared to presume to look at the ark of God. And so they said, who amongst us can dwell amongst this holy God? Who of us can stand amongst this holy God? You know, where are we gonna send this thing? Let's get rid of it. And so the men of Kirjath-Jerim came and they took the ark of the Lord and they brought it to the house of Abinadab on the hill and sanctified Eliezer the son to keep the ark of the Lord. And it came to pass while the ark was there at Kirjath-Jerim. It was there for a long time, for 20 years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. And Samuel spake to all the house of Israel, saying, If you do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods, Ashtoreth. Now Ashtoreth was the goddess of sexual love and the fertility goddess. And they were the children of Israel worshiping Ashtoreth. And he said, put away the gods and Ashtoreth from among you and prepare your hearts for the Lord. Serve him only. And he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So the children of Israel put away Balaam and Ashtoreth and they served the Lord only. And Samuel said, gather all Israel to Mizpah and I will pray for you unto the Lord. And so they gathered together at Mizpah and they drew water and poured it out before the Lord. And he fasted on that day and said, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel in Mizpah. Now when the Philistines heard that they had gathered to Mizpah, they sent up the army against them. And the children of Israel were afraid of the Philistines. And they said to Samuel, Cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us, that he will save us out of the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it as a burnt offering holy unto the Lord. And Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel, and the Lord heard him. And now Samuel, beginning to exercise this ministry of intercessory prayer, and as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel, and the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day on the Philistines and discomfited them, and they were smitten before Israel. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and smote them until they came to beth -car. And then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shen and called it Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. The Ebenezer stone, the word means the stone of help. Now, 
We sing the song, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, Tune My Heart to Sing Thy Praise. Streams of mercy never ceasing call for songs of loudest praise. Second verse, Here I raise mine Ebenezer. And you've probably been singing that all your life. What in the world are you raising? Here I raise mine Ebenezer, hither by thy help thy come. Actually, it's a stone of, of memorial. It's a, it's a memory kind of a stone. Here I set the stone. God has helped me thus far. God has brought me this far along. Now, actually, that's something we can set up every day. Set up a Ebenezer. Well, God brought me this far. Now, in that, there is always encouragement and hope. For God brought me this far not to dump me. If he wanted to dump me, he would have dumped me a long time ago. Hitherto hath the Lord helped me, and the help of the Lord in the past is a prophecy of the help of the Lord in the future. The fact that God has helped me up to this point gives me assurance he's going to see me all the way, for the Lord will complete that which concerns you. Having begun a good work in your life, he is going to finish it. He's going to complete it. And so it is healthy sometimes to set up that memorial. Well, God has brought me this far. Surely he's not going to leave me now. He's not going to forsake me now. Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. So this was the beginning of the turn of the tide against the Philistines. Up to this point, the Philistines have been beaten, beating them at every turn, at every battle. Now this is the first turn of the tide against the Philistines. And as they came out, he set up that stone. He said, all right, the Lord has helped us this far. The first of the beginning of God's work in bringing them victory over their enemies. And so as God brings victories in your life, set up your Ebenezer stones. Well, praise the Lord, he helped me this far. Stones that mark the places of victory in God's work in my life. So the Philistines were subdued. They came no more into the coast of Israel during all the days of Samuel. And the cities which the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored from Ekron even to Gath. And there was peace between Israel and the Amorites. And Samuel judged all the days of his life, judged Israel, and he went from year to year in a circuit. So he was sort of a circuit prophet. And he would go from Bethel to Gilgal to Mizpah and then return to his home in Ramah, which is the modern city of Ramallah, just north of Israel. Now it came to pass when Samuel was old, he made his sons the judges over Israel. And the name of his firstborn was Joel, the second was Abia, and they were judges in Beersheba, which is in the south. But his sons did not walk in his ways, but they turned aside after lucre. They took bribes and perverted judgment. So here's an unfortunate thing. A godly man, Samuel, and yet his sons were crooked. And, and these guys were taking bribes. They, they coveted after money. They, they would pervert judgment for bribes. So all of the elders of Israel came to Samuel there at Ramah, and they said, Behold, you're old, but your sons are not walking in your ways, so make us a king to judge us like all the nations. And so now the demand of the elders of Israel in order that they might have a king 
like the rest of the nations. The thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. The Lord said to Samuel, Hearken to the voice of the people, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. Now, a nation that is governed by God is a theocracy. These people were rejecting now a theocratic form of government and they were demanding now a monarchy. We want a king like the other nations. It is a sad step down in their history when they rejected God from being king. However, it was because God was not being faithfully represented to them by their rulers that they were demanding a king like the other nations. The Lord said, you tell them what a monarchy is going to entail. And so Samuel told the people the words of the Lord. When you have a king that reign over you, he's going to take your sons, he's going to draft them and appoint them for himself and for his chariots, that they might be his horsemen. Some will run before his chariots. He's going to appoint captains over the thousands and over the fifties. And he will set them to ear his ground or to till his soil, to reap his harvest, to make him instruments of war and instruments for his chariots. And he will take your daughters that they might be his bakers and cooks and confectionaries. And he will take your fields, your vineyards, your oliveyards, and the best of them, and he will give them to his servants. You'll have to start paying taxes of 10%. They had it pretty good. And he will take your men servants and your maid servants and your finest young men, your donkeys, and put them to his work. And he'll take a tenth of your sheep. You'll be his servants. And ye shall cry out in that day because of your king, which ye shall have chosen, and the Lord will not hear you in that day. Nevertheless, the people said, fine, we want a king that we might be like all the nations, that our king may judge us, go out before us and fight our battles. So Samuel heard the people. He went back and said, Lord, they said they still want a king. So the Lord said, hearken to their voice, make them a king. And Samuel said to the men of Israel, go your way, every man to his own city. Now there was a man of the tribe of Benjamin whose name was Kish. He was the son of Abel, and he had a son whose name was Saul, a choice young man, and the word goodly is handsome. And there was not among the children of Israel a more handsome person than he. He was head and shoulders taller than anybody else. Just a big, handsome fellow. Saul, the son of Kish. In fact, he was just the most good-looking guy in all of Israel. Big, handsome. Natural benefits and characteristics. Now, Kish's donkeys were lost. And he said to Saul, take one of the servants and go and look for the donkeys. And so Saul passed through Mount Ephraim passed through the land of Shalisha, 
but they did not find them. They passed through the land of Shalem, and they did not find them there. So they passed through the land of the Benjamins. They, Benjamites. They did not find them. When they were come to the land of Zuf, Saul said to his servant that was with him, we better get back home because my father is going to quit worrying about the donkeys. He's going to start worrying about us. And so they said, how in the world do we get home from here? We're lost, more or less. And so they said, I hear that there is an honorable man, a prophet in this city. Let's go, and maybe he can show us the way we should go. Then Saul said to the servant, but look, if we go to the prophet, we don't have anything to give him. Uh, we, we've spent everything that we had, and we have no present to give to the man of God. And the servant answered Saul and said, I have here a fourth part of a shekel of silver, and we'll give that to the man of God to tell us our way. Now, before time in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, thus he spake, Come and let us go to the seer. They called the prophets in those days seers, and the word seer is that which it implies. It's a man who is able to see into the spiritual things, or a man who has spiritual perception and they were called seers. That was the original word for the prophets. Later on, they called them prophets, but in the earlier days, they were called seers. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of 1 Samuel on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order 1 Samuel 5-9 through when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord bless you and watch over you this week. May His hand be upon your life to strengthen you, to guide you. May He use you as His instrument to do His work. May God fill you with love and with understanding, compassion, and spirit. May you walk in the Spirit and be led of the Spirit of God this week. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Have you ever had a friend who's not a believer and they ask you a question about the Bible and you're thrilled? 
Finally, they want to know about God, but then you go blank because you can't remember the scripture that would answer their very question. You're not alone. It happens to me all the time, and I think if only I had a quick scripture reference that would help me right then and there, that would be perfect. Well, guess what I found? Pastor Chuck's Old and New Testament study guides are available to download as ebooks instantly to your phone or mobile device. Now, whenever you need to find the meaning to a scripture reference quickly, you can. Pastor Chuck has written great little Bible commentaries to help anyone come to a better understanding of God's Word. To find out more and to read a book preview, visit thewordfortoday.org and click on the link to download the Old and New Testament study guides by Chuck Smith. Or if you would like to order these books in print, call The Word for Today at 800 272 